How are we, folks? Who was here in the first service? All right. You're going to be doubly blessed. Be doubly blessed. Praise God. All right. Well, we're in, uh, as James said, and Micah, we're in week two of our 50 days of transformation. And I really ask that um, to get the most out of this, you need to be able to meditate on what's shared today throughout the week. So I really encourage you to become part of a group that is meeting through the week so that you can uh, just flesh out some of these points. Now, the ushers should also be handing out some sheets for you to be filling out um, while I'm speaking. So I'll let them get organised with that. But just as a way of introduction, uh, Pastor Steve has asked me to do this topic of physical health, which I thought was a bit ironic. But um, all I can do is uh, say this is about not so much our physical being in the sense of what we can do with our bodies, but on how we can go from being stressed to being blessed. Okay, can that be a faith statement this morning? Can you say it with me? I'm going to go from being stressed... I can't hear you. I'm going to go from being stressed to being blessed. All right. So we're going to look at some well-known uh, texts in the Bible. Pastor Steve shared on the prodigal son last week with spiritual health. And I'm going to be sharing from Psalm 23 this week to do with physical health. Okay. Now, we see that society spends a lot of money on helping to reduce stress. Everything from stress balls to you know, stress counselling, all that sort of stuff, just so, so that we can get through uh, stress. But stress, that stress, as it's called, is a threat. Stress comes when we feel threatened, whether it's a real threat or a perceived threat. Whenever our body feels threatened, whether it's something emotional, physical, spiritual, mental, stress response takes place in our body. Our body responds to stress. Now, sometimes that's good. But when it's chronic, when it's continuous in our life, it actually starts to, to damage us physically. It starts to wear our body down. Blood pressure goes up, your pulse quickens, adrenaline shoots through your body. And so this, this is good when it comes every now and then. I remember once when I was uh, soccer training and we were running around the oval doing some warm-up laps and we were down the back part of the oval and the lights weren't quite reaching there and it was a bit dark, just on twilight. And um, we were running as a group in our warm-up lap and a bloke out the front of us yelled out, Snake! And, uh, and I saw this bloke in front of me just, Whoa! <laughs> Big jump over. And uh, as I ran past, I, uh, I looked down and it was just a stick. Okay, but his natural response in that moment of stress, his his the adrenaline shot through and he jumped probably higher than he could, even if he was trying to hit a ball. So uh, it was good. We had a good laugh about that later. Old snake man. <laughs> but chronic stress becomes a problem, and it will over time shut our body down. Okay. Now, many people live under chronic stress. We're going to talk about that today because there's many scientific and medical studies done to show how chronic stress in your life is dangerous and devastating to your physical health. 
It damages your brain to always be in chronic stress and it's deadly to your body. Chronic stress will kill you. Okay? Now, last week we looked at habits for spiritual health. This week we're going to look at habits for physical health. We're going to go from stress to blessed. Now, we're going to look at seven common factors in stress, and then we're going to look at Psalm 23 to see how they can um, help us move through these, these stress points. Okay? So, the first point of stress is worry. Worry causes stress. It's the number one reason why people stress. They worry about things. And we have more to worry about these days, don't we? I mean, 20 years ago, we didn't have identity theft. Okay? We didn't have privacy issues. No one worried about their privacy. But now, it causes a lot of stress. People are worried about losing their personal identity. They're worried about having their identity stolen. 20 years ago, nobody worried about having their mobile phones missing or lost. Okay, Who worries when they misplace their, their mobile phone? Okay, let's be honest. Okay, it's a, it's a thing that didn't happen 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you weren't worried about how many people liked your Facebook or Instagram post. It just wasn't a thing to worry about. Okay, And so all these modern-day stresses play a factor in causing worries in an increasingly complex world. The second greatest source of stress is being in a hurry. We're always in a hurry. Okay? At home, it doesn't matter whether we're aiming for 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we always seem to be hurrying to make that, that deadline. Hurry comes because of the increasing pace in our life. Would you agree that the world seems to be getting faster and faster? Okay, I used to say a couple of times, you know, stop this merry-go-round, I want to get off and spew. <laughs> but it goes faster and faster. We live in a microwave world. And I know if you're like me, I get, I get impatient with the microwave. It just isn't working quick enough. Who, who's like that? You sit there and watch it count down saying, come on, come on. It's too slow. Everyone in the world wants it now. They want it immediately. They want it yesterday. It's a world we live in, but we don't have to conform to the patterns of this world. Amen. But let our minds be. Say it like you mean it. Let our lives be by renewing our mind. Now, I might be showing my age, but I remember when the fax machine was the latest thing. Who can remember when the fax machines first came into play? All right, we got a new fax machine in the office that I was working at. We thought, man, this is it. Can't get any better than this. Fax machines. We can, we can send our documents to someone and they get it immediately. We don't have to go down to the post office and stick a stamp on, a mail, on an envelope and stick it in the mail and a week or two later they get this email, um, this letter. We just fax it now. That's it. The world's, we've come to our destination. 
But even that's not quick enough now. Now we have to scan and email. Scan and email. Forget the facts. That's too slow. And obviously when you're driving through a town, it's, it's more stressful than if you stop and walk through, taking in all the scenery and the beauty of that town. So first is worries, second is being in a hurry, the third is crowds. Crowds cause stress. And the world is getting more and more crowded and people are getting more and more stressed out. There's this thing called urbanisation. People are moving out of the rural setting and moving into urban areas. In fact, in the 2017 Australian Census, it showed that 71% of Australians live in one of the major cities in Australia. 71%. It seems that all the young ones want to move to the city. I don't know what for. Too stressful for me. I'd rather it here. Okay? It's peaceful, it's quiet. Peak hour traffic last. 10 minutes, and even that stresses us out, eh? In the, 1800, in the year 1800, you know there was only one city in the world that had over a million people, and that was London. London was the only city on this planet that had over a million people. Now there's hundreds, there's 500 cities around this globe that have a million people or more. In fact, there's things called megacities, like Mumbai in India, has 32 million people in it. Tokyo, 36 million people. Mexico City, 35 million people. Can you imagine how stressed those people are? Just trying to get around, trying to live in that rat race. You can go block after block without seeing a blade of grass or a speck of dirt because it's all paved. It's all concrete and tar. I remember the uh, first time flying into Sao Paulo in Brazil, coming in over, and it just seems like there's blocks and blocks and blocks of just towers, concrete towers where people lived. And I thought, man, who'd want to live there? Urbanisation creates stress. Crowds create stress. It causes traffic stress. One study shows that 75 of the largest cities in America that last year people wasted over 4 billion hours sitting in their cars in traffic. 4 billion hours. That's 1,666 million days or 45,600 years sitting in traffic. Who would think that that creates a bit of stress? Okay. I remember getting stressed out when Griffith got its first traffic light. Hey, and we got three now. Anyway, it's all good. The fourth cause of stress is multiple choice, having more choices. Now, people have this misconceived idea that having more choice is actually more liberating. That's a furphy, it's false. Having more choice does not make you more liberated, it stresses you out. I can prove this. When's the last time you went to the restaurant in a crowd, in a group of you? You went to a restaurant, you got the menu, thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to eat? What are you eating? I don't know, what are you eating? 
And then one brave person says, well, I'm having a steak. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. I'll have a steak too. And so everyone ends up getting steak, even though there's 20 other dishes on the menu. And then to complicate things, the waitress comes over and says, what are you ordering, sir? I'll just have a steak, thank you. Oh, okay, do you want that with uh, salad or with chips and veggies? Another choice. Oh, no, just veggies is my standard order. And what sauce would you like with that? Oh, really? Oh, pepper sauce, that'll do me. And how do you want that cooked? Choices, far out. I just want a steak. I just want a steak. Just give me a steak. So multiple choice stresses you out. When I started in the joinery shop working about uh, 40 years ago, close to it, in 1981, I remember a product called Laminex, the things you, you put on your bench tops to make it look pretty. Laminex, there was 12 colours to choose from. Okay, 40 years ago, that's what you got. 12 colours. If you didn't like them, bad luck. Which one do you want? Now there's 195 different choices in Laminex. It's crazy. Panadol. You heard of Panadol? Well, you just can't go in the shop and buy Panadol anymore. There's Panadol for headaches. There's Panadol for joint pain. There's Panadol for period pain. There's Panadol for osteoporosis. Did I say that right? The thing is, they've all got the same ingredients. So just pick one, it doesn't matter. Might be a bit awkward though for a bloke to walk out and put period pain Panadol on the counter. No, no, it's not for me. And then there's coffee. Come on. There's no longer just a normal coffee. I mean, what's with a, a half strength decaf skinny latte? What is that? You might as well just give me water. Okay. And so, would you like full cream milk or soy or almond milk? I don't know, I just want coffee. <laughs> just give me coffee. Give me a good black coffee and I'll sit there and make up my mind which coffee I want. Choices cause stress. A loss of privacy causes stress. Okay? You ever lost private details? If it becomes, you know, a, a public knowledge, what private details you are, you have, that causes stress. The sixth one is pluralism. Pluralism is a is a is a, a modern day stress factor. What is it? It's a society that has many different cultures, beliefs, religious views, lifestyles, convictions. Australia, 200 years ago, you were basically either indigenous or European. That was it. There wasn't much of a mix in there, generally speaking. Nowadays, we've got all sorts. Now, I think that's wonderful because they all brought with them their nice food. Okay, and you get to taste all their nice food. I think it's great. But with pluralism and no common factor, like we have a common factor of Christ, but in a society that doesn't have a common factor, it causes friction. 
It causes conflict. The media plays on this conflict to cause fear amongst us about being with people who are different to us, who look different to us, who think different to differently than us. And so this conflict, this pluralism, creates stress. And then there's a fear of the future. The fear of the future causes stress. The what-ifs. Who likes playing the what-if game? What if this happens? What if I can't do this? The fear of the future, the fear of the unknown. Now looking at those seven things, we're going to look at Psalm 23 and see what God's got to say about lowering our stress levels due to these factors. Okay, We're going to find them all there in those six verses and I'm going to read it out to you. The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all I need. He makes me lie down in lush green meadows and he leads me beside calm, quiet waters. He restores my soul. He, gives, he guides me with the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now this is a well-known psalm, and no wonder it's one of the most well-loved pieces of scripture in the world. Because it brings comfort to us. There's a lot of things in there that if we really dig into it and we understand can help us reduce our stress levels. Okay? Now I know a lot of us would want to be healthier. So let's listen up. Proverbs says in 14.30 Peace of mind makes the body healthy. Peace of mind makes the body healthy. Okay? Exercise, diet play an important part in our health and well-being. But a peace, a mind at peace makes us healthy. So let's get some peace. Peace out, guys, today. So we're going to figure out how to get some peace. In the New Living Translation, Proverbs 14.30 says this. A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. A relaxed attitude. Who here feels relaxed? Yeah, that's good. I don't want to stress you out. So to counteract these stress points, we're going to look at seven spiritual habits that are going to reduce stress by taking a look at Psalm 23 and pick at it line by line. Now, the first point of stress was worry, okay? You worry because you think, will I have what I need when I need it? And this comes from placing our expectations in the wrong place. We place our expectations in other people. We place our expectations in our jobs, okay? We place our expectations in our spouse, in our family, in our friends. But all of those things will let us down. Friends will let you down. Family will let you down. Your job expectations will at some time let you down. And so if you're placing your, your trust in these things, it's going to be a time where you're going to stress out about them. And so David starts off by saying, The Lord is my shepherd. 
I will have all that I need. And this is important to remember. The only thing, the only person we can put our full trust and expectation in is in God. If you are worrying, you're not putting your expectation in God. Nobody can meet all your needs. Only God can meet all your needs. Amen? So, that's the first point in reducing stress. Look to God to meet all my needs. Look to Him. That's the first thing David says. I will look to God and that's going to calm me down. It's going to take away the stress and the fear of what the future holds. That way I'm not going to be disappointed because I'm going to trust God. This simple change in our attitude, in our, in our focus, in what we want to see happen, will revolutionise your life. It will help you to reduce stress in your life. If you will look to God to meet all your needs, you will never be disappointed. As your pastor and friend, I say to you, you should never put your security in anything that is temporary, in anything that can be taken away. Find the eternal to put your trust in. You can lose your job, you can lose your health, you can lose your reputation, you can lose a spouse, you can lose your mind, but you cannot lose your relationship with Jesus Christ. That is eternal. Put your security in that. Psalm 23.1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, be in want. I'll have all that I need. Romans 8 says, Since God did not spare his own, own son for us, but gave him up for us, won't he also surely give us everything else we need? If the Father in heaven gave us Jesus, won't he give us everything else that we need? So turn to him. Learn to trust him. Now while this seems obvious, it's hard to live out sometimes, isn't it? Put our trust in God. Because we want to have control. We want to make sure that everything goes according to our plans. But let God have his way. It's so much easier. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll have all that I need. I remember a poster of a, a chimpanzee with his hand on a, a little kitten. And the, and the meme of it said, Just agree with me. Life will be so much easier. Okay, So let's just agree with God. And life will be so much easier. Don't you think? So that's the first point. Stop focusing on expecting other people to meet all your needs. Refocus on God. Isaiah 30 verse 15 says, The Sovereign Lord says, Only in return to me and waiting for me will you be saved. In quietness and in confidence is your strength. Notice he says, Strength is not found in anxiety and fear. It's not found in hard work or planning. 
Strength is not found in self-motivation or positive mental attitude. Strength is found in quietness and in confidence. That's where your strength is. The Lord is my shepherd. Put your confidence in that and you will gain strength. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I want to repeat that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall have everything I need. Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall have everything I need. Is that a stress ball, mate? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so once we have that as our foundation, everything else starts to build on top of that. The Lord is my shepherd. So let's build on top of that. So the first one is turn to God. The second one is obey the Lord's instruction about rest. Now, this can be a big one. Okay? So much stress in your life comes from always being in a hurry, always working too much, always feeling like you've got too much to do. That's why you overwork. You never seem to be able to catch up. You always think you get to a point and you see and there's more to do. So you keep going, you keep going. How many of you feel like you never catch up? It's a common thing. So what do you do? Well, you look to God to meet your needs and then you obey God's instruction about rest. Think about this. God could have created us so that we didn't need to sleep. He could have created us that way. You know, in fact, you're going to spend about a third of your life asleep. Now, if God's only going to give us 60 or 80 or 100 years, why would, why would he create us that we spend a third of that not being productive or not achieving anything? But see, that's the wrong attitude. Sleep and rest is actually achieving something for us. It is providing something that is vital to us. Rest and sleep is never a waste of time. The excess of rest and sleep can become a problem. Okay? You become a sluggard. And the Bible has a few things to say about becoming a sluggard. But in its proper context, in its proper proportion, sleep and rest is good. God said, on the seventh day, I rested. He did that to model what rest is and why is it so important. God didn't need to rest. He wasn't tired. But for six days he created the universe and the earth and everything in it and on it. But on the seventh day he rested to model for us the pattern for our life. So let's follow that. The Bible is filled with instructions about rest and recreation and relaxation. In fact, it's so important that it made his top ten. Alongside, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. Now, a lot of you would not even think about doing any of those two things. But then it also says, you to keep the Sabbath, shall rest on the Sabbath. One day in seven, rest. Okay, It's important to God because he knows how important it is to our health. Jesus said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
In other words, God said, I created this idea of you to take a day off every seven days to rest, for recreation, for worship, and to restore your soul. That's my idea. It's for your benefit. It's so you don't burn out. Yet today in our modern society, people aren't doing this. Even on their day off, they're working. A lot of people, even after church, coming to church on Sunday, will go home and work. They'll go home and do something just so they can think they can try and catch up. But this is not rest. God says, I want you to rest. In fact, in Psalm 23, verse 2, he says, He makes me lie down. Now, know that word makes me. Now, you're either going to rest or God's going to make you. Okay, who's ever been in that situation? They've just gone, 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 and all of a sudden they've gone. Okay, because God said, no, that's enough. Your body is wearing out. It's not getting its rest. So I'm going to make you lie down because you need to rest. And it's hard. I can understand that sometimes it's hard because you look around, there's so much to do. I believe that God, if you honour God in this, God will honour you in helping you achieve in less time more than if you didn't rest. Now you know sheep aren't smart enough to rest when they're tired. They're not smart enough to rest. So the shepherd has to make them rest. He has to stop them, and I don't know how he does it because I've never shepherded the sheep, in a sense, literal sense, but he makes them rest. And Jesus is the same to us. He's our great shepherd, and if we're not smart enough to rest, he will make us rest because he knows our body needs it. So if you don't take time off for your body, he will make time off. So if you want to lower your stress, you maybe need to rest more. Think of it this way. My best is to rest. My best requires rest. You know, you're not wasting time when you're resting. You're looking after yourself. That's why in Exodus 34:21 it says, Six days are set aside for work. But every seventh day you must rest, how much? Completely. You must rest completely. Even during your seasons of ploughing and harvest, you must observe a Sabbath rest. Okay. Now this is not about being religious. It's not about you know making you a better follower of Christ. It's about giving yourself rest, allowing you to become more productive in those other six days about living a longer, healthier life. Part of God's plan. You might be a tax accountant and it might be June 30. You still need that day of rest. You might be a retailer and it's coming up to Christmas season. You still need that time of rest. You might be a farmer and it's time for harvest or time for planting. God is saying, it doesn't matter, you still need your day of rest. It's not an excuse just because you're busy. What am I supposed to do on my Sabbath? Well, there's three things. Rest my body. Rest your body. Take a nap. 
relax. Go and lie on the grass in the sunshine under a tree. Do something so that you can relax your body. Take a Sunday afternoon nap. That's a good one. I love Sunday afternoon naps. So you rest your body and you refocus your spirit. And that's what you're doing now. You're refocusing. You've come to a place of worship. You're worshipping God. You've got your mind and your spirit set on Him. You're listening to His Word. You are refocusing your spirit toward God. In corporate worship, we recharge and refresh our spirit. And we recharge our emotions. Use Sabbath to recharge your emotions. That's what recreation does. Recreation recharges your emotions. Different things recharge different people. But do something that restores you and re-energizes you. It could be a habit. It could be just plodding out in the garden, picking out a few weeds. Okay, If that refreshes you, if that re-energizes you, then all power to you. Okay? I'd rather do other things to relax. And it's, and it's not just about Sunday. The Sabbath isn't a particular day. It's a day of your choosing where you will rest. A day when you can down the tools and rest your body Refocus on God and recharge your emotions. As a pastor, rarely is Sunday your day of Sabbath, your day off. Rarely it is it your day of rest. But God intended us to have a day of rest. And you might say, yeah, but I feel guilty when I relax. Some of you are so stressed out that when you're relaxing, you're stressing out because you're not doing things that you think you could be doing. So you're trying to relax and you're stressing at the same time. doesn't work, folks. doesn't work. Do you know Jesus took time off? Jesus constantly took time off. If you read through the Gospels, he constantly went away to be on his own. He took time away from the ministry to go and recharge himself, to get back in touch with his father to rest his body he didn't feel guilty about it Jesus never felt guilty about reconnecting with the father in heaven so let's learn from that do you know during the French revolution that the government mandated that there was no day of rest They mandated everyone is to work seven days a week. But then they had to stop that after a few years because everyone was getting cruel. People were becoming unhealthy. Their nation was getting sick. So they had to reverse that decision and reinstate a day of rest. Okay, You need it in your life. It's probably why some of you are mean and grumpy. Okay, Because you're not resting enough. Why are you laughing at the person next to you? You're not getting enough rest. So here's a thought. Get some rest. And don't think of it as your day off. Okay? 
It's not your day off. It's actually part of your week. Just as much as part of your week is Monday morning going to work, part of your week is that, all right, it might be a Sunday. Sunday, I'm taking off. I'm getting by myself. I'm resting my body. I'm refocusing on God. I'm re-energizing my spirit. It's part of your week. It's not a day off. Because if you think of it as your day off, guess what? You're going to fill it in. You're going to do something else with it rather than what it's intended to do. So the Lord is my shepherd. He meets all my needs. And I will obey God's instruction about rest. He makes me lie down. Where does he make me lie down? That's a third point. Recharge your soul with beauty. That's the third thing. He makes me lie down in green fields, in lush green fields, beside calm waters. Now just close your eyes for a sec. Think of yourself lying on the bank of a river. It's nice and green. There's a sound of water trickling past you. Okay, who feels relaxed? It's a relaxing thought. Okay. Now, think of the hustle and bustle of Pitt Street in Sydney. Think of the cars zooming around, the horns honking, people screaming at each other, get out of the road. Who finds that relaxing? No. God makes me lie down. Not in the business of life, he makes me lie down in the green lush meadows besides calm waters. Recharge your soul with beauty. That's the third thing you need to do. Beauty is an important part of stress management. Ugliness stresses us out. But beauty inspires, beauty encourages, it motivates, it stirs up positive emotions. Have you ever wondered why God will create flowers on parts of the earth, beautiful, exotic plants and flowers and animals that no human eye will possibly ever see? Why did God create a place of beauty? It's for our benefit because beauty energizes us. Beauty uplifts us. Whereas ugliness brings us down. Why didn't God just make our world like the moonscape? Why didn't he make our world like Tatooine? Alright? He made it beautiful for us to enjoy. Not a desolate, dusty, grey planet. God created the vibrant colours and the great diversity of our planet. Man was made to live in the garden, not in a concrete apartment block. In a beautiful place, he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now, we've come a long way since the Garden of Eden. I'll grant you that. But we do feel close to God in nature. Because it's God's beauty and beauty inspires and motivates us. So if you're stressing out, maybe a a thought for you is to get down to the river and just sit there for a while and enjoy 
God's beauty. Step outside. If you're in your office all day, if you're in a concrete block all day, dealing with the hustle and bustle of office work or people's lives, then why don't you take a bit of time during lunch to go and sit out in the grass, go and sit under a tree and eat your sandwich. Taking time out in God's beauty can bring our stress down. We need beauty in our life and we need beautiful sounds in order to keep stress down. Here's another thing. Why don't we start our day with God and not the media? Before you go to read any text message, to, take, to click on any news feed app, why don't we spend time with God? Now that can be either reading your Bible or it could be just putting on a nice worship song, just walking around. And if you like to go for a walk first thing in the morning, you know, sticking the earbuds in and putting on some beautiful worship music or praying. But try that for a while. Try doing that and see if your stress levels come down. Don't get up and put on the TV straight away to see what the morning shows or the, the, the radio talkback shows are saying. You don't need that. Dedicate even the first five minutes of your day. You know, how you spend the first five minutes of your day is going to set your mood for the rest of your day. So if the first five minutes of your day is going to agitate you, it's going to create tension and, you know, just a horrible feeling in your life, you're going to carry that through for the rest of your day. Get in touch with God. God intentionally put beauty around you. Pieces of art or a craft. Be creative. Make something beautiful. Do you know there's more songs written about Jesus than any other human being in the world? There are more books written about Jesus than any other character in, the, in human history. Do you know there's more art and architecture dedicated to the glory of God than to any other subject matter? Why? Because God gave us music. God gave us art. He gave us the ability to create, to be able to express our emotions. In being creative, we are expressing ourselves. Now, we don't need it for physical survival, but we do need it to really live. If you're struggling to really live at the moment, then surround yourself with beauty. It's who God made you to be. And make a joyful noise. There's a key. Fill your life with music. Make a joyful noise. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to be joyful. Philippians 4.8 says, He makes me... Huh? That one. You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true and noble. Reputable and authentic and compelling and gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. 
Now, because of sin, there's a lot of ugliness in the world. There's a lot of unpleasant things going on in our world. Whatever you give your attention to is going to either raise or lower your stress. Now, for some of us, during those 50 days of transformation, we need to fast from the news. That might be one of our goals. To not read the newspapers or to flick on our news, news feed apps okay, or listen to the news on the radio. What about we just forego that for the next 50 days and see if that helps to lower our stress levels? fourth one is go to God for for guidance. If a source of stress in our life is indecision, then go to God. Ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. Some of you right now may be wavering. You're at a fork in the road. You don't know whether to go this way or that way. You've got choices in your life and you can't decide what to do. And the stress is freaking you out. What I say to you is to go to God for guidance. He says, ask and you will receive. If you need to make a choice, ask God, what choice should I make? Lord, show me what choice to make. Make God your number one go-to. Not the opinion of your friends. Not the opinion of the guru on YouTube. Go to God. Because he will always tell you the truth. The truth. And he will always lead you in the right paths. If you need wisdom, who are you going to call? You're going to call on God. Okay? If you need wisdom, ask. God says in James, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives it to all men liberally and without condemnation or criticism. He gives it generously and graciously. God is waiting to give you wisdom. You just have to ask. So you say, God, I need wisdom. I pray and I ask. Then I read the Bible. Then I wait and I think and I be quiet and listen and I sense. At the right time, maybe not immediately, but at the right time, God will put an idea in your mind. And you'll go, wow, that's inspiration. That's what I need to do. Amen. You have a testimony about that? I certainly do. God will guide you at the right time. Not in the wrong time. His timing is perfect. He's never early, he's never late. Now some of you might have a decision to make about something to do next year. You think, God, which way should I go? Well, hang on, he's saying, well, well, just wait a minute. You've got a year to go through this. Let's not hurry this decision. I will guide you at the right time. It comes down to a matter of trust. Verse 3 of Psalm 23 says, He guides me in the right paths. Say right paths. For his name's sake. He guides me in the right paths for the sake of his name. Which leads us to the fifth point in lowering our stress. Trust God in the dark valleys. If you're in a dark valley, trust God. We all go through dark valleys in our life. 
Some of you may go through many, more than you would like to. But it is a source of stress, and that is loss. You can lose your job, you can lose your income, you can lose a spouse, you can lose your health, your reputation, a loved one. You can go through all those losses. You can feel like you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. And yet, David says, I will fear no evil. And notice it says, though I walk through. Though I walk through. And this was an important point for me to remember. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It doesn't say, when I pitch my tent in the valley of the shadow of death, when I reside in the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. It says, when I walk through, which means it's a journey. It's part of a journey. And that there is a point where you actually have, have got through. And you can look back and think, well, how do I get through that? Okay. And shadows. Do you know that shadows are not the real thing? Shadows are not reality. They are not the real thing. And shadows always look bigger than the, than, uh, the real thing. You notice that. The shadow of a tree is way bigger than the tree itself. So just keep that in mind. And shadows, if you focus on the shadows... They'll cause stress. Don't get stuck there. I remember a time when I was a, a, a little boy, a young child. Okay, I was in my bedroom in bed trying to get to sleep and the wind was picking up outside and I looked out the bedroom door and I saw what I thought was a clown. You know one of those Pennywise clowns? I thought it'd come to rip my throat out. And so I did whatever young kid goes. They call mum. I said, mum, there's a clown in the laundry. And so she graciously got up, took my hand, took me into the laundry, said, no, Rodden, see those trees? The wind's blowing through those trees and it's making a shadow and it's not what you're really seeing. Okay? And it brought calm in my life. My focus was on the shadow, not on the reality. And I want to point that out to you this morning. The valley of the shadow of death. Okay? It says, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. That's what David goes on to say. Some of you are going through the valley of the shadow right now. Maybe the valley of the shadow of death. It could be the valley of the shadow of death. Or the valley of the shadow of conflict. Or the valley of the shadow of depression. Or the valley of the shadow of discouragement. But we're going through the valley of a shadow. But you know, shadows, where there's shadows, there's light. You can never... 
get a shadow in a dark spot. And so if you're in the shadow, look for the light. Look for the light. Look for Jesus. That's the good news. If there's a shadow, there's a light. Look for the light. Then you will see the reality of the situation. Don't focus on the shadow. The key is to keep walking. The key is to keep going. All right? It's a journey. You'll get through it. You'll get through it. Praise the Lord. Jesus is the light of the world. If I keep my eyes on the light, the shadow can't scare me. That's how you're going to, if you've got uh, worry in your life, then trust in God. Psalm 142, verse 3 says, When I am ready to give up, he knows what I should do. Right? So if you're nearly ready to give up, go to God and say, God, what should I do? What do I do next? And he will guide you. He will direct you. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I don't need to know all the answers. I just need to know God. Can I say that again? I don't need to know all the answers. I just need to know God. We have to make a decision that I'm going to turn my back on the shadow and I'm going to look at the light. And I'm going to walk through this valley of the shadow. I'm going to trust God in the dark valleys. And that will reduce my stress level. Okay, so let's keep going on Psalm 23. And it says, Let God be your defender. Common cause of stress is criticism, conflict. Attack, personal attacks. There are people in your life who simply don't like you. Now I know we like to be liked by everyone. Okay, we like to keep people happy. But there are going to be people in your life that just don't like you. Not your fault, it's their problem. Okay, that's what I figure. If they don't like you, well, you know, evaluate yourself. Make sure you're not being an idiot. Okay, but evaluate your life, evaluate it, ensure you're doing the right things. And if you're doing the right things and they still don't like you, well, there's not much you can do about it. Do you know not everyone liked Jesus? Did you know that? And he was perfect. So what have we got? We're not going to please everyone. We're not going to get everyone to like us. But it still hurts, doesn't it? It still causes stress in our life. The conflict, the opposition, the criticism, the personal attacks. Now they'll do it out of jealousy, they'll do it out of spite, or out of fear. Doesn't matter. There might be people in your own family. It might be a close personal friend. It might be those people who keep nagging on you, keep putting you down, never have a positive word for you. If you ever have success in your life, they're just going to poo-poo it. Okay? I'm not going to let you have the glory of it. It doesn't matter. 
we can overcome it. What happens is that we want to respond, we want to react. And that causes stress. Every time we react to a situation, we are in fact increasing and, and making the problem bigger. So let's take our lesson from Jesus, who in the face of his accusers, what did he do? He remained silent. He let God be his defender. He says, look guys, I know I could call down the armies of heaven and we could wipe you all out, but I'm going to stay silent because I'm going to trust in God. You can criticize me, you can ridicule me all you like, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. God's going to be my defender. So let's uh, remember that when you're going through that stress point. And then there's uh, people that we just don't agree with, okay, or don't agree with you. comes out of pluralism. They've come from a different background. They've come from different education, different upbringing. Their values are different. And so you're going to have conflict there. So what do we do? Do we need to justify ourselves? No. We need to be who God has made us to be. The people you work with, the people who are around you. Sometimes people are just plain rude, aren't they? They're just plain rude. I mean, come on. I remember the other day, Janice and I were uptown just doing a few things. I think I was picking up my suit. And uh, she was on the side curb, parallel park to the side curb, and she was trying to pull out into the traffic. Do you think anyone would stop? No. Sometimes Griffith people need a good slap around the head. Okay? If you see someone coming out of a parking bay, Give them a bit of space, hey guys? That's just a nice, courteous thing to do. But anyway, no one was letting Janitus out. So there was half a chance, and she gunned it. She went out, and she took the chance. Okay, oh, whiplash. Okay. Hey, take it easy. Okay. But do you think the guy behind said, oh, sorry, I should have let you out? No, he just went, uh, yeah. Just look at the middle finger. Just read between the lines. <laughs> okay? No. It was just being rude. Well, what do you do? Do you stop the car, get out and beat the snot out of him? Good old road rage? No. You just say, thanks mate, have a good day. And just keep going. Okay? God is our defender. That is an official lie, okay? Everything Janetus did was good. She was very nice about it all, weren't she, darling? Actually, you probably don't even remember it, do you? Oh. <laughs> okay. People are going to say things about you. Don't worry about it. God thinks you're awesome. That's all that matters. Say it to yourself. God thinks I'm awesome. Okay, so that's the most important opinion.
So how do you handle rude people? Let God be your defender. Now David was a pro at this. People were literally trying to kill him. Okay? Now this is a bloke anointed by God. This man had a plan for his life. And yet people still tried to kill him. People spread rumours about him. They criticised and condemned him. But he just said, no, nah, I'm going to let God be my defender. This is what God has said about me, and that's going to settle the matter in my heart. And he says this. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. It's not just filled. Your cup is not just filled. It's actually overflowing. It's gone everywhere. Amen? So you and God will have the last laugh. You don't need to justify yourself. God's got you in the right spot. He's going to set you up with a banquet in the midst of your enemies, right in front of your enemies so they all see. God's going to put a banquet there for you to feast on. Hallelujah. David says in Psalm 18, verse 1 and 2, How I love you, Lord. You are my defender, my protector, and my strong fortress. In you I am safe. You protect me like a shield. Now, does David sound stressed out there? No, he seems fairly relaxed. Why? Because he knew God was his defender. He knew God was in control. You don't have to defend yourself. Now that takes a lot of faith when you're under attack. It takes a lot of faith and trust not to rise up and try and justify yourself or defend yourself. When the rumours are going around about what you supposedly did or didn't do, when people are saying things about you online, trust in God. He will defend you. Let me start to wrap this thing up. The seventh thing is expect God to finish what he started. Expect God to finish what he started in me. Has God started a good work in you? Amen. He's going to bring it to completion if you trust in him. He's going to finish what he starts. Are you a person who's afraid of the future? Are you one of those ones that says, what if this happens or what if that happens? What am I going to do? Well, just know that God, God's got things in hand and he will finish what he started in you. Okay? Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's where you will dwell. God's going to finish what he started. In the end, we're going to heaven. Amen? In the end, we're going to heaven. Go on, you Rafi. Now you can stress out about what the future holds or you can trust God. 
You can be a what if Okay, a what if Or you can be a truster. It's up to you. One of them freaks you out and brings stress to your life. The other one brings calm and peace. And a mind at peace lengthens a man's life. So maybe for these 50 days of transformation, you need to set yourself a goal on how you can bring your stress levels down. Okay, Maybe you need to refocus on God a bit more. Maybe it's spending the first five minutes of every day. Not when you get a chance. Set that time aside. Maybe that's a goal you can set to improve your physical health. Maybe for these 50 days, just turn the news off. Okay, Get rid of that, that news feed app on your phone. I tell you, that's what I had to do. It was my constant go-to. When I was sitting there, I think, oh, I'll just see what's happening around the world today. Never any good news. It was always the ugliness of the world. It was always news headlines. Who did what, to whom, where, I don't know. So set it as a goal. If you're tired of the pace you're living at, then set yourself a goal over the next seven weeks to take a day off every week. Set yourself that goal. If you think you've got too much to do, don't worry about it. It'll still be there the next day. Just take the day off. You'll feel more energised to tackle it the next day. And if that's still too much to think, then Jesus makes this, this promise. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying a heavy load. And I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice he says there, rest twice. Come to me and I will give you rest. Learn from me and you will find rest. So there's three things to do there. Three action words. Come, learn, and the third one, take. Come, learn, and take. Maybe that's a goal for us over these few weeks. Come to Jesus, learn from him, and take and put into action what he shows you in these 50 days of transformation. Amen. And note that when you yoke yourself to something, you're going in the same direction and you go at the same speed. Have you ever seen a yoke of oxen going off in different direction and one getting further ahead than the other? No. They both move together in the same direction at the same speed. And Jesus will move with you. He'll move you. You need to follow him in the direction he's going. Not try and make your own path. Not try and find your own way. Move in his direction and at his speed. And you'll see that you'll be kept on the right path. You won't go into the ditch when you're yoked with Jesus. You won't find yourself in the rough when you're yoked to Jesus. Circumstances might put you in that place, but your mind, your heart are always at peace in that circumstance.
because Jesus is with you. Don't run too fast ahead of him and burn yourself out. Keep up with him. Now, in finishing off, I want us to uh, just close our eyes and meditate on what God has shown us today. As the band comes back up and just finishes off for us, I just want to give this time to anyone who needs prayer. If you're feeling stressed out in your life at the moment and you just need to take on board some of the things that have been spoken of this morning, then why don't you just come and make a stand before God and say, God, I don't want to live this stressed out anymore. I want to be able to walk at your pace and in the direction that you set me. So if that's you this morning, I encourage you to come and we'll pray for you. But for the rest of us as we stand, I'm just going to pray this prayer over you. Heavenly Father, I want to look to you to meet all my needs. I know that there's no person that could possibly meet all my emotional, spiritual, mental and physical needs. Jesus, you are my shepherd. I shall not be in want. God, starting today, I'm going to obey your instructions about rest. You make me lie down in green pastures. Fill my soul and my surroundings with beauty, with art, with music that you have given for the expression of my emotions. Thank you that you make me lie down in green meadows and beside calm, still waters. Father, those things that I don't know what to do and I'm confused and I lack wisdom, help me to turn to you for guidance. Father, I need your wisdom in the days ahead. When I'm going through dark valleys, help me not to be afraid of the shadow, but to turn to the light and look into your eyes. When I'm ready to give up, you show me what I should do. Father, when I feel that I'm under attack and I feel like others are against me, help me to see that you are my defender. Help me to speak no words of unkindness, but to return good for evil to pray for those who persecute, to love those who hate, to do good to those who do evil. That you would be my defender, my protector, my fortress. And Lord, I want to trust you that you will finish what you have started in me. And rather than being stressed about what the future holds, that I will say, surely goodness and mercy, surely they will follow me all the days of my life and that I will dwell in the house of my Lord forever. Jesus Christ, I invite you to take over every area of my life and my mind. Replace my stress with your serenity. Be my Lord and Saviour. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.